You found it. Blowing hot air to the back end of Tokyo. This is the Japan What Podcast. And I'm your co-host, Matt Bigelow. And I'm Tom Molesky. We discuss the inner workings of Japan with an outsider's perspective. With zero insight. Zero insight, indeed. If you enjoyed that, uh, you can check out Angry McFinn and the Old Yank. That's a six-piece Irish drinking song band. Uh, born in the streets of Tokyo, they continue to win new audience members and damage livers wherever they play. If you uh, like that song, which is called Seamus, you can check them out at amfoy.com. Is that spelled uh, S-H-A-M-E space U-S? It's spelled S E A M U S. Okay. <laughs> Some friends of ours that we've uh, known for quite a while and uh, always have uh, put on a great live show, especially you're, if you like to drink. You're fat. <laughs> Shame us. I, uh, now I get it. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Shame We're, us. Yes. Your Japanese sucks and you don't study enough and okay. you know it. <laughs> Perfect for this podcast, really. Uh, well, how's everything going in your in neck of the woods? Cold pizza. Cold pizza. Cold pizza. All right. I enjoy a cold pizza myself. But uh, yeah, in fact, uh, this morning uh, I could have gone for some. I was out drinking and DJing at my, my favorite little dive in, in Chiba Tea's Lounge. Basically, um, I go there and I they have a, a monitor and hooked up to the internet and I just do YouTube videos for about five or six hours and drink. And that's probably when I'm the most happy because I can just, he just trusts me to play any music I want. I don't listen to any requests. It's just me, music, and a glass of Nama, Nama Biru. Wow, that sounds all right. Yeah, it was a very good time. I was trying to stay out of the house because, uh, oh man, there's a real disaster going on in the, at my home. I'm actually planning to fly back to the States. Uh, tomorrow. Shame us. Yes. Okay. Shame you. Right. And you're going um, back to the states, huh? Yes. Yes. Back to Connecticut. Connecticut. Yes. <laughs> um, but 
on Friday, my wife comes home with a case of influenza. And apparently some idiot... Neil Pert was a really big influenza on me. <laughs> Clearly, yes. When are you going to put on one of those little symbol things for when you make a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> in any case, though, um, apparently some guy with influenza came in, infected everyone. And what we've had to do now is kind of uh, quarantine my wife until I leave. Because it won't, if I catch it, there's no way I can go home. I'm not going to survive a 15-hour flight with with influenza and your so, wife's not going home with you no why not she usually has to stay and take care of her mother so oh i see yeah um in any case though uh thank you um somebody uh just felt like they were so valuable that they should still come in even though they were clearly sick and my wife has the constitution of a horse she's like the wolverine of the of salary men but if she caught it, that means probably the whole department's going to come down with it eventually. So um, here's a public service message. If you have influenza, don't come to work. You don't want to infect your coworkers. You do have job security. And let's face it, you're not that useful anyway. A message from your friends at the Japan What Podcast. How yeah. about you? Well, wife's story, cold pizza. Okay. Um, I'm intrigued. So I said cold pizza, and you yeah. went right away. Yes. To positive. Oh yeah, absolutely. I so I was, I was. It's Friday night. Yeah. I'm coming home. Right. I'm going by the the, the supermarket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, so wonder if they have pizza in there. I go in, oh, they have pizza. So I bought a little pizza. Yeah. Bring it home. Wife gets angry. Really? She. I bring home chocolate. No problem. Okay. P chips. No problem. Yeah. Pizza, big problem. Why would that be a problem? I, she thinks cold pizza is associated with losers. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, and she saw it as competition for her dinner. Oh, wow. And I, okay. I, I was just like, well, I would just get a slice of cold pizza. Yeah. But it became... So it I put it on issue. the table and she's like, what is this? And I'm like, it's cold pizza. Yeah. And, I, and, she, and she's like, people don't eat cold pizza. <laughs> I'm like, look it up. There's she a looks nation it up. that yeah. she looks it up on the internet, and she closes her computer. Now she's angry at the internet. Yeah, right, right. Because cold pizza is actually a thing, right? So yeah. we have this giant bowl of of mecons, yeah. uh, of mandarin oranges on the table, and sure. I kind of put the cold pizza behind this giant bowl of of mandarin oranges, right, to, right. to shield her eyes from the horror. <laughs> and she still kind of looks past the the mecon, like she's looking through the bowl of oranges. And she can still see the cold pizza there. Was it a bit of how how dare you now? Like how dare you show me that I I'm not correct or? No, it was continued disappointment with the world. That oh, the, okay. the more it okay. became a thing, yeah. the the more disappointed she was in the world around her. Okay, well as long as it's not you, that's I think. No, no, I don't think she's disappointed. She, she's never disappointed in me. Okay. That's not a thing, dude. Don't bring it up. Shame us. Shame us. <laughs> so that's the thing. Yeah. Cold pizza. She couldn't believe it. I don't yeah. think it's a thing in Japan. I don't think people eat cold pizza. I've had the discussion, um, but it wasn't as so like such open disgust at the thought of it. It was just like, really? People do eat that? Now, she's looking at me in disgust for eating cold pizza. Yeah. And my family, my white family in Canada, <laughs> looks at me in disgust when I eat natto. 
Oh, okay. I love natto. I do too, actually. So yeah. I get the disgust from my white family mm-hmm. and the disgust from my wife yes. for taking advantage of both cultures. Yeah, really. Aren't I supposed to be heralded for these things? Yeah. Instead, yeah. I'm Seamus. <laughs> I'm so glad I played that song. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it just goes to show you never be open-minded. Or never be open-minded openly. How's that? Yeah, yeah. be closed-minded. Yeah. Be oh. closeted in your open-mindedness. Yes, thank you. Oh, oh worries. there we go. Perfect. Yeah. Another public service message from your friends at the Japan What Podcast. <laughs> Cold pizza. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I just wanted to bring one thing up. Sure. Um, I'm trying to focus a lot on like artificial intelligence and things like right. that and actual interesting use cases. Of course. And there's this uh, Twitter account. And, and there's a type of um, AI program called a GAN, Generative Adversarial Network. I see. And it's basically two neural networks working together. One neural network has a database of whatever. And the other neural network starts submitting random um, uh, data to this other neural network. And this neural network that has the data, that has the, sorry, the, the database, gives feedback to the original one. And then this neural network can or- make original anything, music, games, whatever. And there's this woman that has like a database of art, and she's using a generative adversarial network to create really cool art, and the the uh, the AI is making all this really cool art. Oh, wow! It looks like it's made by humans, but then it, it's obviously not because wow. okay. it's it's based on like pastels and oils and things like that. But then the the computer starts doing computer stuff that because it's only looking at pixelation, so it, it kind of creates these weird hybrid of. Mm of computer graphics slash realistic art It still has kind of the trappings of something that's generated by a computer. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's yeah. not completely blended in. They haven't completely hidden from us now. Like, But it's artistic. It looks yeah. cool. Oh, it, does? it doesn't okay. look like it's a fuck-up. It looks like it's just really cool. So oh. then she starts selling these um, artworks online. And then she starts raising funds for to help fight to give money to the Australian fire oh, oh, fire yeah, yeah. donation whatever because yeah, bush fires basically bush yeah. fires yeah so her AI is making art and now it's the art is being sold to support people of being affected by the Australian bush fires. Now that's well, that's a beautiful thing. I think it's not weird. Out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fascinating, but I mean, I'm glad the, it's progressed to that point, and it's being used for. I was ex- half expecting it was like she was caught or arrested for something and something illicit, but no, she's actually using this for a productive, yeah. um, charitable cause, which is um, and nice if, to hear. Even if it's the AI making the art, yeah. she has to kind of control the database, sure, and 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 kind of decide what is good and what is not good. So she's curating. The AI art. Yeah, she's playing her part in that. Oh, great. Oh, that's that's all right. AI created art. If you're interested, us, yeah. um, the Twitter account is uh, twitter.com slash giagalista. G-I-A-G-A-L-I-S-T-A. Or you can simply look up Helena Sarin. And the art is it's really cool. Okay. It's it's I'm not it's kind of hard to talk about it in a in a in a way that would make sense uh, in a podcast, but it, it's really cool if you want to check it out. Go check it out. I will go check it out. Exciting. That was exciting for sure. All right. 
Oh, I, I also just wanted to mention very quickly that the uh, the singer from the last episode um, really was overjoyed at the feedback, and she's going to follow through with your advice. Yeah, going to uh, Tokyo Gaijin Bands on um, Facebook that group, and we'll put up an ad and see see what happens, and she'll keep us posted. So, we'll uh, follow this story as it goes. Get off your ass, because no one's going to dream for you except yourself. <laughs> Fair enough. That's fair criticism. All right. So before we get into all this um, uh, music stuff, uh, just this is the podcast that focuses on lifestyle, news, That's music, right. yep. or whatever in, in Tokyo. We like it here in Japan. And this one is um, one thing that I'm paying close attention to are the kind of side effects of the aging society. Sure. So yeah. not just only, for example, care homes or um, uh, better walkers and things like that right right the hurricane yeah the hurt what sorry the hurricane it's like a cane that helps people walk faster oh really yeah the hurricane i did <laughs> beautiful <laughs> i love it um but this one is about um bankruptcies in japan mm -hmm. closely linked with the aging society problem um and here we go a survey by a private research firm has found that a record number of Japanese companies went bankrupt last year due to a shortage of workers. Tokyo Shoko Research says 426 firms declared bankruptcy in 2019 because they couldn't find enough people. That's up about 10 percent from the year before and the highest since 2013 when data first became available. Breaking down the numbers, we see that 270 companies, more than 60 percent, shut their doors because the boss was retiring and couldn't get anyone to take over. Nearly 80 firms could not find enough workers even after placing help-wanted ads. Over 40 could not replace employees who had retired or moved on, and over 30 just couldn't cope with rising labor costs. The problem is especially acute in the construction and services sectors. These areas accounted for about half of all bankruptcies caused by labor shortages. Tokyo Shoko Research says smaller companies are especially vulnerable to worker shortages. It says managers face another tough year ahead as calls for part-timers and other workers keep rising. So there we go. So then the, the question is, Automation or importation yeah. of of foreigners for short period visa stays. Yeah, but those don't seem to be taking off. I mean, the um, those I guess the trainee visas are the ones that they they say they're trainees, but that's just a reason not to pay full full wages for those. But they do tend to work full time. But yeah, those don't seem to be taking off that well either. Um, uh, I wonder how attractive Japan is. It's not. Yeah, it must be getting less and less attractive as when it goes. I was yeah. like in the early two thousands. It was a very attractive place. Right. Right. Sure. And um, yeah, at the whole. I mean, the more that word gets out. I mean, we've all seen. Maybe not everybody, but I've certainly seen stories in the news about trainees' life and uh, how much work they actually have to do and how sometimes little tr actual training they do, once that word gets back, it's like, well, no, I'm not going to apply for that. Yeah, or they end up in some, you know, mm. tiny town in the middle of nowhere yeah. where the actual 
quality of life is probably very similar to something like in the mountains of Vietnam. That's a good except point. Except they just they have better TV reception or something like that. Yeah. But still, Japan's but, yeah. very analog yeah. outside of Tokyo. Like when you go to right. small towns, I've been all over the country. Mm. It's 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 surprisingly still like 1973 in in so many areas. Yeah, I could see that. It, they do communities get very isolated, don't they? Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of, I guess, takes one person or a group of people to kind of make that jump up to say, "Hey, everybody, let's update." And maybe just nobody comes forward to do it. And maybe that's why also a lot of young people aren't taking over these businesses, right? Uh, by these elder people that didn't yeah. update their equipment, and now there's a young person, and they yeah. have to what, like, write receipts with a brush. Yeah, because right. nobody, you know, they haven't even heard of an iPad. Yeah, or they haven't heard of uh, electronic payment systems. They still they want to use cash and things like that. Well, I mean, I I remember um, maybe four or five years ago, it was um, we couldn't send our hours in for um, the the teaching company I was working for. We couldn't send our hours in by email. We had to fax them, you know. And I get the feeling that there's still places that do that. They still communicate by fax, you know. Yeah. And how prehistoric is that? I was listening to um, a startup. Uh, I went to a startup thing, yeah, and uh, some entrepreneurs were there talking about this exact same thing with fax machines. Where yeah. there was a cloud computing company, right. and on their pamphlet, they had their fax number listed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and a fax is a good backup. Yeah, sure. But at the same time, right? You know, if you have a cloud, like, when's the last time I used a fax machine to do anything with? cloud computing right yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's it's counterintuitive to have yeah. that you know you shouldn't ever need it but then now this comes to the part of the person that takes over has to also assume the responsibility and the cost for updating and if it doesn't work it's also their fault yeah who wants to take that on mm-hmm. i mean they know they have to update they know somebody has to be the fall guy for getting with the times and then the person after that might profit and succeed and flourish afterwards but somebody has to take the fall first and you know is it worth it that's the real question i don't think it is Mm. yeah so we're seeing a massive shortage in um in this type of uh, business activity and it's due to the the aging society because if there was a lot more younger people yeah they would just take the jobs because jobs might be a little bit more that's the other thing yeah but now it's it's a buyer's like the the young people have really good options you know I get the feeling, though... The company they, I work at yeah, okay. is hiring a whole bunch of young people, too. Right. And they're giving them all of these services and things like that okay. just to keep them there so that work actually gets done. Are they... I mean, Japan strikes me a little bit like they would rather give up a business rather than raise it past a certain point. You know what I mean? To really suit the demands of the market. Um it's almost like um, we're not gonna we are not gonna adapt, so we're gonna perish. Mm. That happens a lot. So I'm sure that they're giving more, but how much more is it really ma- being? Is it really worth it f- to stay at that place, or is mm. it becoming more like a a Western kind of job market where people just bounce around? You know, b- bounce around jobs. They use one as a stepping stone for another. There's no thought of a lifetime career at one place. Yeah, that's that's totally possible. And um, even the Uber Eats people yeah. made a union. Oh, wow. And they t- can't even use motorized scooters. They're on right. bicycles. Yeah, right. I've seen... I've, I didn't actually know they couldn't use them, but I've only seen them on bicycles. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. <laughs> Lots going to change. I mean... 
Yeah. So there we go. Um, the other one of the other consequences of the aging society is yeah. grandmas and, and and granddaddies become the biggest demographic for criminal activity. Wow. So that yeah, that'll yeah. be in the future. Those are kind of the, some of the things I'm monitoring in my spare time as oh, I, right. as I live in this society sure. and looking at actually what what's happening in the demographics yeah. themselves because the demographics yeah. is the future. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, unless when the demographics change at a certain base level, you can see where the country is going to go. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's in, it's in the cards, you know. Yeah. On the plus side, it's probably going to make for great crime recreation dramas. <laughs> yes invest in canes yeah why is everything in slow motion actually it's not <laughs> it's in not. slow motion <laughs> Sorry. yeah they really drag out these yeah. uh, these programs here it took them a long time just to get that card out of the deck all right um so there we go let's talk about shindaita shindaita so um one of the things uh, if you're a musician in tokyo and you're looking at getting more experience, mm-hmm. and you're a Westerner, or not not a Japanese person, not a Japanese speaker. Yeah, you're probably going to end up going to a lot of foreign based open mics, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I know of a place that's very open to um, everybody called Crossing Bar Crossing Bar Crossing. Okay, uh, it's in Shindaita. And it has an alpine feel inside, like a camping. It's all wood inside. Really? Okay. And they got camping chairs everywhere. And yeah. they got a little stage. Uh, but the uh, owner of the store, yeah. of the bar, is Masa, who is an engineer. Okay. And he did the recording for an album I released a couple of years ago in oh, okay. three languages, English, French, and Japanese, um, called Maddie B-Sides. Okay, yeah. Uh, Wild Thumbprints. Uh, and they get, because he's a really professional sound engineer, a whole bunch of top-notch Japanese musicians often go to the Shindaita Crossing Bar. Oh, I see. Okay. And so, so you yeah. can kind of see how um, players go, not singer-songwriters. Okay. And then you can actually sometimes end up working with them or getting them to come to your show or something like that. So Shindaita Crossing mm-hmm. is, is a perfect place to go. How about the... Um so you mentioned before you see a lot of like studio sessions. Do they have them there? Yeah, yeah. That's where okay. you can go see some session players. Yeah, oh, nice. That would be. And so it's not necessarily people crafting songs, yeah. but they kind of um, take funk songs or some Stevie Wonder songs and reorganize them a little bit, and then put a whole bunch of solos in the middle. Oh wow! It's quite interesting to see them work. It sounds like a great night. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, and it's on the side of, like, it's on the second or third floor of a building, but it's also near, like, a quite a busy road. So sometimes big trucks go by and the whole, the building <laughs> shakes and you're like, is that an earthquake? Nah, it's just a big truck. But these people are doing the most incredible solos you've ever seen. That becomes part of the charm, I imagine. All right. Uh, so um, to help us uh, uncover more. Uh-huh. Hey, what's up? Hey, Mike, what's going on, buddy? What's going on, Matty D? We got you on the speakers. Exciting. And uh, you're, I'm with uh, Tom Molesky here. Mike, how are you? Hey, Tommy. Good to hear What's from you. What's happening, Matt? Uh, we've, I've started a show. Well, actually, Matt started a show, but uh, he invited yeah. me. He let me participate, so it's fun. I guess, yeah, it's cool to see you guys hanging out and yeah, doing a show together. Yeah, yeah. We're, well, part of it is we hope to you know, build up and promote the indie music scene. Um, do you have anything big coming up? What have you been up to? Um, uh, we uh, we we have 
um, close to zero uh, coming up um, in the next few months uh, just because um, mm-hmm. we're all busy with uh, other things like family life and but what and, about uh, what about Grumman, tonight Mike bit of some touring and stuff uh, oh yeah, yeah tonight um, tonight is uh, we, we have a jam session at a place called Crossing in Shindaita, which is really close to Shimokitsuzawa. Oh, Shimokitsuzawa, great. Um, What's it yeah, like so there, gonna, man? What's it like? It's cool. Um, so the guy, the guy who produced uh, the Good Things Records, mm-hmm. he got he built the the place himself with his bare hands. Uh, it's kind of like a log cabin style kind of bar. Thing. It's got a really cool, uh, relaxed vibe to it, and. Yeah, a good place to get together and, and play music. Of course, we're talking with Mike Hanna, singer of The Good Things yeah. and The Mutekis. Mike and I have known each other for 13 years, and I forget to introduce him professionally yeah. when he comes on the shows. <laughs> Just, hey, Mike, uh, so what's right, up? <laughs> you know, I'm going to forgive you this time. Well, Mike, for new listeners... But, could, but next time, mm-hmm. what, what's that? Oh, sorry. For new listeners to the show who may not have heard of The Good Things or The Mutekis, what kind of sound... Um, what would you... How would you describe your music so people would be interested in checking it out? Um, so I'd say the, the good things are uh, just like feel-good kind of... Um, mm. Feel-good music from like the 60s, kind of old-school rock and roll bass, but kind of with a modern vibe to it, maybe. Okay. So, um, well, puts on a great live show. Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah. Um, and the Mutekis, um, they, uh, they ended last year. Ah, uh, yes. So, right. um, just, just got the one project now, so. Yeah. Just one good thing, right? One yeah, good yeah. thing, well, right? One yeah. good thing with the good things. Right, that's that exactly good. right, man. And it's with three O's. Hey, Mike. Now that um, yeah. you, are you still planning on being a, a rocker forever? Um, I mean, how it's is hard, your how hard to answer that question? How is your but, how is your relationship with being a singer changed over the years? And you know, moving on forward in life, where do you see it going? <laughs> I love, I love your interview voice, Matty P. Yeah. It's very effective. Um, but um, yeah, to answer your question, I'd say like uh, at the beginning I was really like uh, enthusiastic, really zealous. And um, yeah, just uh, really pumped about the whole, you know, rock and roll lifestyle. And then I guess over the years um, I've gravitated more towards, you know, just, you know, spending time with my girlfriend and, and family and and uh yeah my kid and and i still definitely want to do the music side of things but i I gotta find a good balance between the two you know what i mean yeah that's great mike i actually um the last time i saw you actually you were performing more uh you were doing a lot of uh solo kind of ad lib stuff it was in the ruby room and i think it was um uh rashad's uh event and it was Have you been doing a yeah. lot of that kind of more ad lib, improved on the right on the spot kind of performance? Um, n- not so much. I did around like summer 2019. I did a few shows mm-hmm. um, just because uh, I don't know. Like when when the Mutekis finished, I, I felt like uh, that was a good good time to pick up the guitar and get reacquainted with the the sixth string and. Um, 
yeah, so I did a few shows around then, which was a lot of fun because um, some of the tunes I played were like uh, Good Things tunes, which hadn't been played for like a year because we'd been on a hiatus. Um, and uh, some of the people there uh, still remembered the tunes and were, were singing up, singing like backing vocals, which mm. was, uh, yeah, which moved me a little bit. It was nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I wanted to hit you actually with another question, um, more about the music scene here in Tokyo. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of a personal project that's connected to this podcast of mine is kind of trying to bridge the gap between a, a venue organizer and the performer. So one of the things, I, like, um, I know you've actually put out songs like Norma that kind of yeah. is a little critical of the mm -hmm. whole pay-to-play system where you have to bring in a certain amount of people in just to perform, otherwise you pay the difference. Is there, yeah. is there anything that you would want more the venue organizers or, or managers to know from the performer side that... Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, good question. Um, I guess uh, we... We kind of distanced ourselves from that whole scene, the the whole like pay to play scene. Right. Um, after like one experience we had on on a Wednesday night about six or seven years ago, um, we played there and uh, it was raining and uh, nobody came to see any of the bands that were actually playing. Yeah, and that happened. Um, so it was just like bands watching other bands and um at the end of the night the the guy came up to us the the guy who owned the the bar and he's like mm -hmm. yeah that'll be 20,000 yen and we're like oh shit yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah ever since we've just been kind of skirting around it you know like right. just not doing it yeah, so yeah. um if you if you want to if you want to do it steadily um, I'd say you really need to network a lot and get um, make sure you've got a steady like uh, amount of people coming you know in the door to see you um, yeah. because otherwise it's just gonna come out of the pocket you know so. is there do you feel like um, somebody who you know maybe uh, runs a live house should be more understanding about something like that? I think they they should, but they also have to cover their own asses. Okay, you know, like uh, they've they've got to pay a lot of rent, and um, you know, they they've probably got their own group of friends. You know, they, who they may or may not um, try to get to some of your shows. But yeah, I'd say in the end, they it's it's pretty um, pretty much expected that the, the bands are doing most of the work and the promo and and mm. stuff. So I mean, it's definitely not ideal. Okay. But um, I guess from their perspective, they, they've kind of they've given you, in, they've given us this this place where mm -hmm. where we can play like almost to a professional level, like sound system wise. Right. Yeah. Um, they provided us with that, so mm. you know, so, I guess yeah, kind of makes sense. I don't know. So the it's it's kind of the due diligence of the performer to know going in that's what is going to be required if things maybe if it's not a good night or anything it's it's really more on the performer to be responsible for that yeah yeah okay. and if it happens a few time it, times it can wear you out a little absolutely bit. Yeah. So, yeah yeah so yeah. mike um what what, yeah. what venues have you built up a good relationship with and um what what are the details of those relationships Ooh, fuck man <laughs> 
Sorry, uh, I shouldn't curse. But um, it's it's been it's a, a family long. friendly podcast, um, and now yeah. you turned it into a a bag of sewage dirt. We've already been demonetized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Um, no worries. I don't know. I don't know how to oh. make it um, <laughs> Well, is there any place you would point um, somebody new to the scene? Wait, he didn't answer my question. Okay, I mean, I mean, sorry. Okay, okay, like, okay, so I wouldn't... Easy. I would, I would, I'd try to build up your fan base first. Uh, place like live houses that don't charge you. Uh, you know, try try to play shows at the the Dickens, Ruby Room, um, Gamaso if they're still going. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's all that comes to mind at the at the moment. Sorry, I'm not not much help. And, yeah. do, and what about other venues that you've built up? Uh, are those the venues that you have good relationships with? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we know the people there. We've been playing there for God knows how many years, and. Um, yeah, so we have a good good relationship with them. Um, we did have we did have a thing going with Zazazu for a while. Um, we had a few EP releases there, and uh, but that was mainly through the drummer's connection with the with the place. Um, he was good friends with the the guy who ran Zazazu. So, um, but uh, we haven't played there in like two or three years. Man. So, yeah, well, one two, other three, thing, two years. Um, how did you build up your relationship? Was it just going up to the manager right from the start and saying, hi, introducing yourself, being like, I don't know, Genki and cheerful? Or is it more like after you've had a few good shows, then when they get the impression that you have a following, then you can have a better relationship? That, I think from from the very beginning, you should always try to establish a, a friendship with... Um, you know whoever's running the place and the other bands that are playing there it's really important that you uh, show an interest in them and then okay. get into their music a little bit because um they might have you know some fans who um uh might be into your music and uh it's, that's that's one way to grow i guess so um yeah i definitely say try to get on friendly terms with the people who are running the place first and uh you know, if that that amounts to some, like something good, then that's that's a bonus, I think. That's great advice. Thank All you right. so much for that. And, and Mike, what's going on today at the Shindite Crossing? Like, what kind of jam session is it? What can we expect? Ooh, um, I'd say yeah, it's just going to be like uh, musicians in a kind of lounge setting. Um, and um, as far as I know, we haven't done this in a while, but we're just going to give people that whoever wants to play like a couple of songs. Uh, they'll they'll kind of have the spotlight on them and you know people can join in with their own instruments and uh so it's it's yeah pretty free-flowing i think are you expecting yeah. a mixture of of local japanese and international um i'd like to think so um but uh <laughs> at, at the moment it seems like it's going to be mostly internationals with uh some english-speaking japanese people there but you never know there could be some regulars who just walk in and and uh which has happened before so well it sounds like a great yeah. way to bandy about the time <laughs> it's the best way man it's the only way so I, I have a question for you, Matty B. Yeah, go on. Are you coming down? Are you coming down later? I'm gonna be there, dude. Yeah, 
Yeah, right. I'll be we there. Can, I'll, uh, I'll play a couple of songs. Get, I'll go home and rehearse uh, well, this afternoon. What about uh, Maleski's son? Are you coming down? I'm actually flying back to the States tomorrow, so I might have to take a pass uh, this time. Okay. I, I have a good excuse, at least. Give me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see that plane ticket, man. <laughs> I'll bring a copy the <laughs> no, next time. No, I'm messing with you. Thanks. <laughs> have a safe trip back to the States, man. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. All right, Mike, where can people find you? Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, if you go on, uh, uh, Spotify or iTunes, you can listen to our three EPs from the good things. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're of course also on Instagram and Facebook and, and all those sites. Yeah. And, and it's good with how many O's? With, uh, three, three O's. Three G, O's. Okay. O, D. Yeah. And then things. That's always caught me up, so I'm always... Yeah. How many? Four O's? No, no you, thing. Yeah. You and uh, those other people who are promoting our shows. Yeah. All right, Mikey, have a good one. Check you out tonight, huh? All right, man. See you later. Thanks, guys. Yep. All right. Bye. See you. Bye. We moved to Japan on the same day. Really? And we used to live together. Oh, oh, I used I to live down the fantastic. the hallway from him at a place in Kawasaki called um, Happy Home. No, 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 Hello House. Oh wow, okay. And I used to listen to Mike rehearse and practicing along to Sublime songs <laughs> in about the year two thousand. You should have left him on the line to do that. Two thousand eight. Yeah, we should yeah. have caught his reaction there. He's improved his singing a lot. Yeah. Oh, let's uh, let's play a little bit of the good things. Okay. Let's see let's... if it streams. Yeah. That's the I was just playing right off my computer there, but okay. I think yeah. it sounds okay. Yeah, that actually came through pretty clear. So I used to be the I was the first drummer for this band like really? seven or eight years ago when I I wasn't really a good drummer. Okay, bitter. And um, <laughs> but I I basically wrote the drum line for that song. Oh, get out! Really? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Fantastic, cool song. All right, take it easy out there, people. What's next? All right, so perhaps another song. I'm ready. I'm ready for another song. All righty. Yes, just, shame me. Shame right. us. Uh, there's less shame in Cold this one. Cold pizza. <laughs> Natto. Just... Rotten beans. Poverty. Shame. Well, this one is called Rosario. Moody, no, I got all your emotions. 
And that is the King OGs, actually, a Japanese trio based out of uh, Chiba. Uh, they kind of have a soulful rock sound. They cover, uh, I know they covered uh, Amy Winehouse in the past, um, but uh, the lead singer is really talented. He plays both uh, uh, lead guitar, uh, harmonica, and trumpet on stage oftentimes. And for the, the three people, they get a very full sound. And um, another great thing about them is they usually come up in um, kind of a uniform that kind of strikes me as like half Victorian England, half Sicilian, like <laughs> like almost gangsterish. Um, and uh, they've always put on a great show whenever I've worked with them in shows. The King OGs. If you uh, actually, they're right now they only have a Facebook page, but if you look up the King OGs uh, apostrophe S at the end, um, you can check out more of their music. That's a really unique sound they got. Yeah. Um, very songwritery as well with the yeah. orchestration, and they're like they, when they come back from the break, it doesn't go back to the first chorus. It, right. Yeah. It kind of pivots off of that yeah. in a way, and so. That's a very uh, unexpected listening, which is great. You yeah, know? yeah. They um that I enjoy that kind of music too. It's not too formulaic. It's not too just based on a hook. Yeah. Um. Actually, uh, last uh, last week the band that played Molise tends to do that. They tend to make each song a bit of a story unto itself, where it has a unique beginning and, and a middle and end. And actually, that leads um, pretty well into the next topic I wanted to ask you. Nowadays, in order... Exciting! <laughs> yes, it is. Um, in order to promote, I know that someone like you or me would prefer kind of a very interesting kind of ride, but is it better Indeed. to compose your music? How dare you? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm shaking... Listeners, I'm shaking my fist at him. Um, is it better to plan songs to have like a 15 to 30 second clip that you can take out and put onto your social media, put onto your Instagram, your Snapchat, um, Twitter? Is it useful to have that just that one clip that you, you've imagined and then build your song around that? Oh, that's a, okay. I, I didn't expect that. Speaking of uh, uninterest, uh, sorry, um, unin, not uninteresting. I didn't mean thank that Thank you. Thanks. No, no, no. What is it? Unintended? No, no, no. Uh, unexpected. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Unexpected questions. Um, I, I, I was thinking of just finding a clip from a song that you have and right. using that. Yeah. But I'm not sure about designing a song around a clip. That's kind of a cool idea. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. I, I don't actually, see why not. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking now so much of it is, you know, based on your own self-promotion that maybe starting with that first, starting with the promotional, that the seed comes from equally from promotion and, and creative uh, influences um, when you're marketing your music, that might be the best way to do it. Yeah. Make sure you got a good image. Yeah. So, well, if you can, think about that. Think about how you could narrow it down to a 15-second clip that people would listen to while looking at a visual of something, and maybe that's the best way to start. That's a, that's a fantastic idea because a lot of the uh, media consumption is through those types of social apps, and so if the song is designed around the framework of the medium that you're going to be advertising on, mm -hmm. it might actually spread more within that medium as a, as a natural result. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I mean, I'm, I get the feeling a couple bands that I'd work with would really poo-poo that kind of idea, but, but at the same time, you got to always think, how can you reach the most people? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool idea. Oh, thank you very much. Fucking do it. All right, let's do it. All right. How could you? 
And All what right. do we have next? Next, we're going to take a look at another um, uh, news event. Uh, Japanese people love tuna. As do we all. As do we all. I love yeah. Japanese tuna as yeah. well. Uh, Can't beat it. Yep. Well, yep. Yeah, yeah. Screwing a maguro, <laughs> right? Maguro is the, uh, the slang term for a woman who just lays there in bed and doesn't do anything. I didn't actually know that. Uh, yeah, they just call her a, like a, just a cold tuna fish. It's like you're <laughs> screwing a big old tuna fish. Um, but that's not what this is about. This is about a different type of million-dollar tuna. The price of fish went off the scales at this auction in Japan. Uh. A giant bluefin sold for a record $3.1 million at Tokyo's new fish market. It was bought by the man who calls himself the Tuna King, the owner of the Sushi Zanmai restaurant chain. Kiyoshi Kimura says it was an opportunity he couldn't miss. Opportunity. <laughs> I expected the highest it would go for was half a million. But it ended up five times more expensive. Oh, gosh. The enormous 278-kilogram fish was caught off Japan's northern coast. It's not the first time Kimura has paid the highest price for a bluefin. But in 2013, a similar fish only cost him $1.4 million. It's a good tuna, but I think I paid too much. <laughs> you can hear them. The, the, the sushi zamai. Have you been there? No, I they have got not. really interesting yeah. sushi selection. Okay, they, their their sushi restaurants are featured in like the Yakuza video games and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, yeah. very interesting company. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's a drop that we should be using in the future. <laughs> I got that one. I also got this one. It's a good tuna, but I think I paid too much. <laughs> I, I need a minute. <laughs> That's totally different. Could you imagine having enough money to to pay three point one million dollars for a for a fish? The translation is off. I wouldn't be saying "Oh gosh" after I paid that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Um, but- this is the CEO actually talking about buying the fish. <laughs> you can tell he's like, "What am I doing with my money?" Well, in some ways, it might have been a shrewd investment as far as promotion goes, because let's face it, it's making the news, and that and that. You know, and the podcast, kind of, mm, right? Exactly, all our listeners. But um, the publicity from that um, may well offset the cost that he's actually paid, mm. because so many people. And then think about that. Maybe you want to try. What does a you know so many million dollar tuna taste like? You know, something that you've paid that much for. Um, now you're intrigued. You want to go to this place and try yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good point. If this is the guy that's paying the most for the tuna, yeah, then he must really care about his sushi. Yeah, it must be top quality. I'm gonna go there. Yes, they're delicious, by the way. I've never. Yeah, uh, so. they. I got. I used to go there. I used to work near Tsukiji Fish Market before it was relocated. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I would go over there for sushi lunch or something like that. And mm. and that that chain restaurant of his, um, yeah, just has like a whole bunch of unique taste like even their california roll is really different from a traditional california roll so wow. a lot of sushi restaurants in japan don't know don't think california roll is is is, is sacrilege against their traditional sushi recipes but this guy was like no 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 
we're going to reinvent the California raw. And I they, like that, actually. And it was, it's really cool. It's like a giant wheel of, of stuff inside of it. It's, it's fantastic. I like that, reinventing the reinvention. Yeah. That, that's great. That's brilliant, that's actually. good marketing. Yeah. 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 I like that much better. We're going to take your American raw make better. <laughs> <laughs> you take a Japanese sushi, you make American, we make American sushi Japanese again once more. Better you. Could that also be a drop, by the way? <laughs> My goodness, I haven't laughed this hard. Exciting. <laughs> All right. So there we go. This is My great, goodness. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this, uh, I, for this story alone, I think it was worth that million dollars or how many millions anyway. <laughs> We're actually ahead of time. Do you mind if I play a, a surprise report? Not at all. Let's go for it. Japanese authorities have found seven bodies in the remains of a wooden boat that washed ashore on an island in the Sea of Japan. A police officer found the bow of the boat in Sado on Friday. The Coast Guard suspects it was part of a North Korean vessel. Korean characters are written on the side. North Korean sushi. Seven decomposing bodies were discovered during a search on Saturday. The Coast Guard says a number of wooden boats from the north wash ashore around this time of year after being blown off course by northwesterly winds. Wow, that's rough. And the fact that it's... Rough seas. Yeah, it's rough seas, but it's also... This is, seems to be an annual event. Yeah, yeah. Every, they, every In the northern districts of, uh, of Japan, yeah, a bunch of wooden boats end up crashing up on the... And locals kind of walk past it going like, are these people here to abduct us? Or yeah, I know, are they running right. away? Right. Did they are get they blown refugees? off course? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, gosh. And it's... Yeah, apparently just the, uh, the level refugees. of the fish... The refugees, sure. There we go. But the level of the fishing boats is still hasn't been raised to the level that they can avoid this, that they can actually just stay on course and stay within, you know, survivable distance <clears throat> from the country. They're going into the sea of Japan with wooden boats. Yeah, yeah, that's shocking. Um, and maybe it's just also out of desperation, you know, maybe it's they like just... like hiking in high heels. Right, exactly. Or, or chuckies or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Chuckies. <laughs> sandals. Yeah. They're wearing sandals to a wedding. That's, uh, it's sad though. I mean, that it happens over and over again. And especially, uh, imagine now you have a family, you're part of a fishing family and somebody just one day leaves and never comes back. Yeah. Something fishy about that. There is something fishy about that. <laughs> you're going to play that tuna drop. <laughs> oh, the tuna <laughs> yeah, yeah. drop. It's a good tuna, but I think I paid too much. <laughs> Actually, this report, I looked up for a, a different, uh, what I like to do is I like to find... Um, reports from Japan from other countries. Oh, I and see. Okay, that report about the three point one million dollar tuna fish was yeah. from Qatar. Oh wow! Okay. From Al Jazeera. Get out. And so yeah. you have like Qataris, yeah, speaking English right. over top of a Japanese translation. Yeah, and yeah. so the way they talk or the words that they might choose from the translation are reflective of where they're from. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's not reflective of uh, even like the mm -hmm. Japanese journalism in English, which is heavily influenced by right. uh, British or American uh, English and, and and presentation and things yeah. like that. So it's kind of interesting. It makes for a unique listen for sure. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, oh, you know. 
and a comedic one as well. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, and then to imagine that every time of year that some of the boats are not going to come back is kind of a rough way to live. I mean, I, I guess from everything we've heard about North Korean life, it's almost everything is rough. So, but then that whole idea of, that, well, I might see you when you, you know, when you're done with your trip is kind of hard. There's seven bodies. Like, I wonder how they died. Cause if you're a fisher boat, I'm a, I'm a fire truck. Yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're operating a fishing boat, yeah. even if it's kind of rough seas, I don't know. Shouldn't you be able to fish and live? Yeah. Like, I don't know how these people die if yeah. they're dying from starvation from fishing? Well, yeah. I mean, it could, but I mean, did, was there any, like, there weren't any desalinators on there. Were there? They could be drinking water. It could be um, some, well, yeah, I mean, the sun exposure could be bad. I mean, there's so many things that could happen, mm. you know? Could eat some bad fugu. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. It could be a, there's a number of things that you might run out. Yeah, you could always fish, I suppose. But then again, you know, maybe the boats themselves are in bad condition. The nets might be, you might run out of bait. There's about a million reasons why you wouldn't catch fish either. Mm-hmm. Pretty cray-cray. Yeah. Or as I like to say, cray-cray. Cray-cray, okay. You're, there you go. You're reinventing an, uh, invent- yes. a reinvention. Man, that is just... You're progressive. Cray. Cray. <laughs> Man, is that cray. I feel liver spots bursting on my hand when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> Getting it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And let's finish off with... Stupid Gadget of the Week. Stupid Gadget. S-G-O-T-W. And here we have it, the Philippine national 19th suspect in the Akasaka heist. Tokyo, Tokyo Metropolitan Police have arrested another suspect, bringing the total to 19 for participation in the alleged robbery of more than 80 million yen from two employees of a precious metals dealer in Minato Ward last year, reports the Sankai Shinbun on January 10th. On the afternoon of January 5, 2019, two perpetrators came up behind the employees on a road just north of the Tokyo Midtown Shopping, an office complex in the Akasaka area. I'll stab you, one of the perpetrators threatened while holding a knife. After beating both victims over the head, the perpetrators snatched a bag containing about 81 million yen in cash and fled in a car driven by a third man. The victims uh, suffered injuries that required between two and three weeks to heal, police said previously. The latest suspect is Gianre Zuleta, a 21-year-old male national of the Philippines. I do not recall the matter. The suspect was quoted by police in denying the allegations. So, uh, according to some police, the money was in some unspecified way passed from the two perpetrators to a then 19-year-old boy. Uh, Later on the day of the robbery, Zuleta abducted the youth in Saitama Prefecture and confined him inside a vehicle. After assaulting the boy, Zuleta took the 81 million yen in cash. Police believe that the suspect then transferred the money to another individual. The boy suffered a broken nose that required four weeks to heal, police said. Okay, that's like 15 more suspects that are unaccounted for. 
Yeah. I mean, how many people are going to steal less than a million dollars? Yeah. And then what's the result? Like, that's why there's stupid gaijin of the week in this case, because you're not not necessarily making off with like a million bitcoins. Yeah, right. And how are you going to get this money into the economy? What are you going to do with it? How is 19 people going to keep their mouth shut? Like, how stupid are these people? Well... I mean, going in, they probably didn't have an exact count. Maybe they just over-assumed that he was carrying more than he did, uh, I suppose. I can just picture it, though. Okay, have we done? Okay, well, here, here's a 1,000 yen for you. Here's a 1,000 yen for you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Dear Lord. We're all going to get ramen today, boys. Yeah. yeah oh, I'm mo- going to get chashu yeah. and an extra egg. Oh, Morty. Oh, yeah. Morty. <laughs> yeah. Large size. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I like how the story goes in quotes. I'll stab you. One of the perpetrators threatened while holding a knife. Well, yeah, yeah, that, okay. While holding a bagel, you know, <laughs> while holding a bagel, while holding a banana. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, while holding a Bible. And this money seems to have made its way around. It, he beat. Okay, they hit both victims over the head. Took the bag. Boom, boom. And then my bag now. Let's see. It's the money was unspecified way passed to two perpetrators to a boy, and then they robbed the boy. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> there's too many people blabbing. Obviously, way too complicated. Yeah, I mean, how many, how many, how many, how many people does it take to to get a bag off of a couple of people? Anyways, um, police were unable to. Um, confirm all of the yeah. allegations, but um, apparently it was a setup. Setup? Oh, setup for the metals dealer or setup for the, the metals house? dealer? Yeah, okay. they were going to an address that didn't exist. So even the metal dealers with the money <laughs> yeah. didn't Google Maps before they even went. Wow. They, but, apparently they were using their fax machine yeah. the entire time. Oh, and then it says afterwards, okay, let's look at this. It says, after, it, yeah, it probably was the facts. It says, the victims told the police that they were headed to use the cash to make a purchase of gold bars from a precious metals dealer. Isn't that who they originally, let's see. Okay, the robbery was from two employees of a precious metal dealer, and now they're bringing it back to a precious metals dealer? Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're rival precious metal dealers, kind of like Burger King McDonald's style. Uh, or that's something. probably yeah. what's going that's on. That's probably it. Yeah, they I had their, so. they stole the secret sauce recipe. Yeah, couldn't couldn't be uh, couldn't be foregone. We will never forgive you. <laughs> now you said that it was a setup, but um, at current uh, at the current time, the location of the money remains unknown. Buried somewhere. I don't know, man. It's uh. I don't know. It's it, a lot for eighty million it's, yen. Yeah, it's it's eighty million yen is like eight hundred thousand dollars. Is that what it is? Uh, take back two zeros. Eight. Yeah, yeah, eight hundred thousand. Yeah, between nineteen people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's it's just it, there's a weighted distribution. I mean, like the leader gets more. But I, yeah. Still, how are you yeah. gonna keep your mouth shut? The guy who was lookout wouldn't probably get the full cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, if I if I hold the knife, can I get five percent more? <laughs> I'll be the one that says I'll stab you while holding a knife. Yes, can I be the guy in the middle of the day standing out in a highly surveilled um, society, uh, threatening people with knives? Yeah, I. Well, um, 
I guess yeah, it was worth you. it. Yeah, yeah. I you guess... can do that job for sure. <laughs> that's your job. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, heat. It it, it ain't. Yeah, exactamundo. My goodness. Well, um, I hope all the people that were injured have recovered. Uh, but yeah, um, if you're going to rob a precious metals dealer, use less than 19 people. I guess that's the message here. That's the message of the Japan Wood Podcast. All right. A lot of uh, public service messages today. Well, we're supposed to have zero insight. I know, right. We, we can't let this happen again. No. no. So Sorry about that. Forget what we said. Yeah. Um, do the opposite. Of everything we ever do and say, and that way we can mandate the zero insight prerogative yeah. that we have established on this show called the Japan. Oh, I forgot to mention, we got to yes. do this more. Okay. Um, if you want to donate, I have some donation options. I know everybody's asking for donations, yeah, so we are too. Right. Uh, we have a PayPal account and a Bitcoin wallet as well, if you oh, want to send fantastic. us Bitcoin. There's a system established by... Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak from the podcast, the No Agenda podcast. Right, yeah. And their whole thing is like, we don't have tiers. Yeah. You just, if it's $1, $10, $100, whatever value yeah. you got from this show, send it our way. I mean, mm. we have um, some costs and some studio stuff and stuff like that. It's not that much. But if you, the listener, want to make a contribution, send us a message. We'll read it on the air. Go to uh, PayPal and you can enter this, paypal.me slash slash japan what and that's j-a-p-a-n-w-u-t send us a message there the link should be in the show description and we will also put up a bitcoin donation qr code at www.matthewpmbigelow.com just look for japan what podcast in your search browser should take you right there that give sounds- us a little mm. give us, get, let us wet our beaks a little bit hmm we would appreciate it. Please donate. Don't shame us. I brought it back. I brought it back. Deedly doodly. <laughs> well, actually, do you mind if I add one last thing before of we close? Of course up? not. Please. Okay. Well, um, last time I also I had a event, uh, my event uh, of the show that you should go check out, and of course tonight's. Uh, Shindaita Crossing, you should definitely check out. Yep. I also wanted to plug uh, the Rockstar event at What the Dickens on um, the 22nd of January. Now, we've always talked uh, about helping people who get started in uh, performing. And if you're an aspiring singer, this might be a good way of doing it. Uh, well, the Rockstar event it allows you to sing, uh, cover a song on stage with a live band, a very good band, by the way. Um, songs like, um, uh, let's say, Come Together or um, Superstition by Stevie Wonder, um, Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. If you feel like you want that feeling of performing in front of a live audience with a real band, that's a great way of doing it. What the Dickens is um, a fantastic um, pub cafe with a great stage. Um, it's near Ebisu Station in the Shibuya district of Tokyo. And you can sign up on the day or you can go to Rockstar on um, the Facebook uh, group page and sign up there. So I encourage you, If uh, actually it was how I got hooked up with my first band. Um, uh, so I recommend checking it out and trying uh, get get on stage, perform, be a rock star. All right. There we go. Less insight. Thank you for listening to the Japan What Podcast, bringing you zero insight from Tokyo, Japan. I was expecting you to add something. Oh, okay. 
I didn't want to add insights. <laughs> It's a good tuna, but I think I paid too much.